You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Elvis Presley's jet, the condition of which is described as battered, is up for auction. Since it's Elvis's, I assume they mean battered and deep fried and then dipped in some peanut butter. Welcome back to VSP with Steve Patterson. And for the last time, I'm Steve Patterson. This week, our featured guest is comedian and Pride Ambassador Elvira Kurt. We talk about the connection between therapy and comedy and how to be an ally at Pride. There was too much to fit into the episode, so check out our long listens on patreon.com slash Pod for the full interview. Trust me, it's worth it. Plus, we'll take a look or a listen to Budget Airlines. I'll share a letter I wrote to you, my dear, dear VSP listener. And we'll hear from our world-class writing team about the World Cup, which is interesting to me because I didn't know any of our writers knew anything about soccer. But first, here's a few stories from around the world that we think should be made fun of. The province of Newfoundland is planning to redesign their coat of arms after nearly 400 years since it depicts indigenous people as savages. The public is being asked for their suggestions on a redesign, except of course for you, Melania. You suck at choosing coats. A new bombshell Rolling Stone article says Johnny Depp may have squandered a $650 million fortune. Or to put it in terms that he would better understand, that's 13,829,787 scarves. A man with a face tattoo of a gun was arrested in South Carolina. He said he wanted to cover up the tattoo, but didn't have a carry concealer permit. And New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has given birth to a baby girl, making her not only the second world leader to give birth while in office, but also the second most feminist Prime Minister. And finally, WestJet launched their new discount airline Swoop last week, which features ultra-low fares and, judging by the name, ultra-low altitudes. I don't think you'll catch me flying an airline where I'm constantly lifting my feet to clear the trees, but I'll tell you who's already swooped in to buy his ticket, our frugal flying fanatic, John Steinberg. John, let me get this straight. You're excited about this Swoop Airlines thing? Yeah, I actually think this is a really great idea. Why would you pay for things you don't need? And why would you need things you don't pay for? Well, part of that made sense to me, but I understand they're even making people pay for carry-on bags. Is that true? That's right, Steve. Around 40 bucks for a carry-on. Jeez. But they let you bring one personal item for free. My personal item would be a giant bag full of other personal items. Mmm, that's clever. I don't think they're going to let you do that. You sound just like the lady I talked to at their call center. She said the same thing when I called in to book my ticket. Calling to book your ticket is a $15 fee, by the way. Worth it, though. Wow, it sounds like they're charging for everything. How much are checked bags? I don't really want to talk about that. What do you mean you don't want to talk about that? You paid for me to talk about Swoop. You didn't pay for me to talk about checked bags. But don't worry, that's why I brought this. You Okay, you brought a piggy bank? That's right. Drop a toonie in there and we can talk about the bags. Uh, all right. Thanks, Steve. 
Check bag fees start at $26. And that's all I get? That's all the information I get for a toonie? Well, I told you about the carry-on and the call center fee for free, so I still think you're getting a good value here. Uh, okay, I, I hear they have seat selection fees as well? That's right, $6. Oh, okay, are you saying the seat selection fee is $6, or it's $6 for you to tell me what the fee is? $6 for me to tell you about it. <sighs> okay... That's all I got. It's $6. Yeah, I, I just put that in there. No, the selection fee. It's also $6. I see. That's for a standard seat. You want to know about seats with extra legroom? I, I do, but I don't think I have any more change on me, John. Well, you shouldn't schedule these recordings on my laundry day. You know, I, I can't help but feel like I'm being nickeled and dimed here. I understand, but if you compare it to what the big airlines are charging... I'm not talking about Swoop anymore. Great, then I can go now. Oh, okay. That, thanks. That was John Steinberg and also my bus fare leaving the studio. Hopefully they'll be back soon. John? John? If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably a busy professional, a working parent, a stay-at-home parent, a student, working a job you hate, working a job you love, retired, unemployed, almost dead, or other. Which means you probably need a pop of energy to get you through your day. But before you reach for a name-brand energy drink that leaves you jacked up for hours, why not try VSP's newest beverage, Just Enough Energy Drink. Just Enough Energy Drink is perfect for all those scenarios where you need a bump of energy but can't afford cocaine. Like staying awake during a work meeting, or helping your friend move by holding the door, or opening an actual can of 5-hour energy drink. Just Enough Energy Drink's patented vigor formula will give you a solid 4 minutes of mildly increased enthusiasm so you can get through all those tedious life moments, like faking an orgasm during Thursday night sex with your spouse. VSP's Just Enough Energy Drink. If you drank one at the beginning of this podcast, you're probably crashing right now. All right, with World Cup Mania in full kick, we don't usually talk about sports on this show, but we're going to make an exception for this exceptional event. So welcome our regular contributors talking World Cup. Let's start with you, John Steinberg. Hey, John. Hey, Steve. I actually don't care for soccer. That's not a good start. But I do like a good tidy up. Okay. So I'm backing Japan. All right. Their fans have been in the news for cleaning up their seats and throwing out all the garbage in the stands. That's great. I think cleanliness should count even more than goals in soccer. I say unless the other fans start picking up after themselves, we should only let Japanese teams play in the next World Cup. Well, that's an interesting take, as always, John, but I'm pretty sure there's only one Japanese national team in soccer, so... Well then, wouldn't you say they'd clean up? Okay. Uh, the hooligan culture is another thing that's been trouble at the matches. Do you have anything about that, John? About hooligans? Yeah. I mean. I'll take this. Sorry. N- not oh. sorry. Hey, Jen. Jennifer McAuliffe, everybody. Hey, Steve. Did you know I made the varsity team in university? I did not know that. You made the varsity soccer team? The hooligan team. I come from a long line of hooligans. We're very misunderstood. Okay. Well, let's clear things up. You're not wild, out-of-control party animals? Okay. We're... We're kind of understood. But we hooligans are people like anybody else, just a lot ruder. If you prick us, do we not bleed? 
If we're thirsty, do we not take the drink you just gave us and throw it in the field and try to hit the goalie and then drink yours? Uh, I've never thought about it that way. It's almost poetic. Shakespeare! Okay. Uh, you know what? We're going to move on. i got one more shot at this. With his take on the soccer tournament going on right now, it's Jeremy Woodcock. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, hmm, I see. Uh, no, I don't think so. What are you talking about? I'm not here. To, uh, no, maybe I have the wrong time. I'd, I don't even know what that soccer is. Is that what you're saying? Soccer? I don't know what that is. Oh, you've never heard of soccer. The World Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world. Oh, sure. I've heard of the World Cup. I love the Oh, sorry. When you guys are saying soccer, do you mean football? Uh, oh, yeah. God, I call it football. Yes. No, I love football. Oh, you God, just kept saying Jeremy. soccer. I was gobsmacked. Oh, but uh, carry on. You chaps can continue. What do you want to know? Oh, for the love of God. Okay. What do you think will happen in the World Cup of football? Well, Jeremy? I think Mother England's going to take it. I think the blokes will get it done on the pitch. Uh, the rest of the sides, I think, will be taken out to the garage like the rest of the rubbish bin. You know, no match for my homeland of England. Adopted. Aren't you from Canada? Hmm. Didn't you go to England for like two weeks? Oh, yeah, I suppose it was about a fortnight. Cheerio, yeah, John. Okay, that's enough. I've got to head home and clean my apartment. I've been very inspired by the Japanese. Okay. Again. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I better go, too. i got to go trash his apartment. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, I don't actually know what you guys are talking about. Oh, do you mean it's flat? Uh, I'm saying okay. apartment, We're but done. I'm hearing We're done here. Flat. Cut it. Yeah. Cut it. Okay. And now... A letter Steve wrote and knew exactly who to record it for. Dear VSP listener, thanks for listening to us over these last eight episodes, but like all good things and all even mediocre teachers, we must take a break for the summer. When I first talked to producer Alex Ross about making a comedy podcast that featured non-comedian guests and long periods of serious conversation, he said, I hope you're going to hire some funny writers. So I did. You know them as Diana Francis, Jennifer McAuliffe, and John Steinberg, who appeared as various experts on various things, even though they're not actual experts in those things. You know, like every news program in North America does on a nightly basis. I also called on Jeremy Woodcock to deliver a guest monologue, which he did so well, no one even realized that I was missing. Thanks for that, Jeremy. When Alex said, We should figure out what we can say without getting sued. I booked defamation expert lawyer Jim Bunting as our first guest. And here we are two months later, still 100% lawsuit free. Although, as Jim pointed out, you can't get sued if no one listens to you. Jim's a funny lawyer. We heard from Syrian refugee Tarek Haddad, who survived three years in a refugee camp with his family and is now thriving in anti-Ganish as an entrepreneur. So if you ever hear someone say, I've never heard of a refugee contributing to his new home country, you can call that person an idiot. We also learned how adults can help teen activists, what artists should focus their 10,000 hours on, why Canadian comedians should get more support in Canada, why Joel Plaskett is a goddamn national treasure, and we ended by speaking with Pride Ambassador Elvira Kurt about how far the LGBT movement has come and how much further we still have to go before the close-minded arseholes of the world open up their minds and hearts and arses. That last part might have gone a bit far. Please don't sue me. All of this to say, thanks again for listening. If you'd like to hear the long listens of the interviews we've done and special features not yet released, least, please sign on to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash vsppod to help get you and us through the summer. I hope to be back in the fall with a new lineup of intriguing guests, the same lineup of stellar comedy contributors, and material that makes you think and laugh, or at least think about laughing. Yours truly, Steve Patterson. Today, our final guest before summer break is a treat for the whole month of June, the whole season of summer, or any time, really. She's the here and now pride ambassador, a fine, fine comic, actor, improviser, and more importantly, my friend, ladies and gentlemen, Elvira Kurt. 
You've been uh, a comedy legend to myself and others. And we're going to get into the Pride Ambassadorship and what that might sure. be about. And here's a spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. It's made up. What? Just so you know. You don't get a... There's no sash. You don't, you don't get a house we'll with save it? Save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a house. But you just the get sash. a house with it. Yeah. We did a performance not long ago at all. Fundraiser. Yeah. You were headlining that. I was hosting it. We were the bookends. And you still perform with more uh, energy than anyone I've ever seen. Uh, how is that possible after all these years of performance? Yeah. You were down, you were jumping off the stage. I was. So that's new for me. Just is in it? the last couple of years. If I feel like I need more energy, I will go get it. Right? It's not enough that I just feel it coming towards me from the stage. I will come into the audience now. I loved it. Thanks, and I, the crowd was completely terrified but delighted by the end of it because it was like a very corporate-y crowd. It was yeah, like, it was, wasn't it? It was so... <laughs> it, was, it was like the cast of Suits if it had been cast by the producers <laughs> of Coronation Street. I don't know how it's possible that well, it can keep going. You know, the, if I didn't have the insight, I would just say, yeah, I feel like I'm just, uh, you know, like an energetic person. I really feed off the uh, adrenaline. But the truth is, as I've been thinking about it, is that my presence on stage is an amalgamation, a collection of various different selves that I usually only spend time with uh, when I'm in therapy uh, uh, relating to my trauma. These are like injured parts of myself. I feel very uh, youthful. I feel uh, stuck, uh, you know, at sort of a a middle school age and then, you know, a very uh, hard-headed teenage version of myself. And I take these selves with me into therapy and I, you know, try to integrate them into my fully realized adult self, working through my issues and, and, like I said, my trauma and my pain. And only recently did I realize that those same selves are who I interact with when I'm performing. So this very youthful part of myself is, you know, like a little energetic hyper nine-year-old. And then, you know, a little bit older, you know, has smart alecky things to say, but, you know, with the vigor of a teenage self. And it's a way that I get to spend time with who I am, these different parts of me in a celebration as opposed to just through the hurt and pain that I, I bring to in therapy. And so I've actually appreciate it. And because I do let those parts of me come out and play on stage, I don't feel like uh, the person sitting here opposite you fully, you know, into my 56-year-old carcass, right? When I'm on stage, everyone comes out and has a turn to do their favorite jokes. That is the exact answer I was expecting, actually. Oh, good. So congratulations. <laughs> that is verbatim what I thought you would say. And it's apparent. When Does you, it resonate, you though? Do you do you feel like no, that? No, I, I just want to... I've, I've gone the opposite way, and mm. I've found a way. I wrote a book so that I could sit down during half of my stand-up. Act like I'm. I'm minimizing by the end of it. I'm just going to be curled up in a ball <laughs> with a headset mic. But I loved watching you perform, and I told you that night. I we don't get a chance really to see each other do, no. do extended sets. Right. We're doing different things. We're on different shows yeah, yeah. together, but we're never. So it was. A, it was a real treat to oh, see it. Cool. I definitely enjoy doing stand up more now than when I started, and I'm surprised that I have as much passion for it. And now after 30 years of doing it, I truly love it. Like, I can't love it more. It's something that if I didn't get a chance to do it, I wouldn't feel complete. I know you probably feel the same way. I don't, I don't know, Javier. I'm oh, not really? sure if oh I do. God. I feel so like I I'm, saw, really, it feels I'm really... doing this podcast so that I never have to do stand-up again. No. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm totally oh, kidding. Geez, I was, that that was be... mostly for Alex. The <laughs> Alex is shaking. Yes, all podcasts all the time. <laughs> comedy as... I think of I think audiences might think of comedy as therapy, but I don't think a lot of people realize that comedy can be therapy for the comedian. I always get off stage and discover something that that I will use to make it better the next time. But, you know, what I've always understood is that when I talk about 
anything and, and you know, when I make it deeply personal and it gets a laugh, I immediately understand that I'm not special because if you're laughing, then it's something that resonates for you. And so that universality of a very specific experience, I guess in that way, it's therapeutic because you're not alone. You're the Pride correspondent for CBC's Here um, and Now. Ambassador. Pro- I'm sorry, not the- oh, ambassador. Sorry. I'm- Jeez, I just gave you a demotion already. You're the ambassador, for God's right? sake. Right. Her answers are too deep. Take her down a notch. I, uh, we pride ourselves on this show, on asking questions that others don't. So yes. you had an interview with uh, Jill Deacon, yes, I did. a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Right out of the gate, you, you described yourself as, as deep les. Deep. And she laughed, but then yeah. didn't follow up. So no. for our oh, listeners, okay. we had a chance to go into that. What is the difference between deep les and shallow les? Is there such a thing as a wading pool les? Right? I didn't know about the depths good, of lesbianism. Good question. That's good. Uh, I just, I feel like it is a, a word that I enjoy. <laughs> Uh, reclaiming les lesbian because um, I mostly identify as queer because I enjoy that it it sort of includes all aspects. You know, Dyke is a very to my, in my mind it conjures up a specific image or rather a specific place and time. Queer seems to be more like an an, an umbrella term and it, it allows everyone to identify as queer if they want, regardless of, you know, where they align on any kind of a spectrum. And so to then also include myself as a lesbian feels very old school, feels like, you know, like I can already feel like a golf outfit forming around me. Um, And then deep les feels like, you know, it speaks to, it's like an OG version of it. So it's like, I go, I really embrace that idea of, you know, long armpit hair and to flannel and army pants and Doc Martens and rainbow pride rings. It, it just feels is describing like, what she's wearing in studio it's today. True. Theater, of, actually, theater of the mind. I have not changed this outfit in <laughs> 30 years. And I saw someone that I go back with in the deep les in the lesbian community easily 35 years. Not a close friend. I recognize her uh, appearance. She was walking a dog close to the production company that I'm currently working for. We had the exact same shirt on. So this is someone who's just in my cohort. And we reached for the same outfit in the morning. I mean, it is kind of weird. We all have the same haircut. There's a certain aesthetic that we embrace. I mean, when Justin Bieber first became hugely popular. There was this whole offshoot of lesbians who look like Justin yeah. Bieber because that hairdo was just something that we adopted, you know, by chance. I don't know, it was he imitating us, us imitating uh, the Bieber, and the, the, again, of a certain uh, age group, so definitely younger than, than me, but it wasn't a coincidence. That is, there's this <laughs> aesthetic that you just recognize that I wouldn't be able to define it for you. No. It's sort of ageless, sort of masculine of center women gravitate towards the same look, and you just know what it is. How's Pride, the, the month, the weekend, the mm-hmm. parade? And it's a lot more than the parade. People think of Pride, they think Pride Parade. It's the first thing they think of, probably because it's the most visual and the most mainstream now. Right. But there's so much more to the movement and to the month and to the sure. week. How has it changed in in uh, your experience from its roots till present day? Well, that's an interesting question, well, thank Steve. You. And thank you're right. I think you are asking the questions that other people are afraid to ask. And, <laughs> Thanks. And I and I appreciate that. It makes me feel like your um, interest in good allyship is genuine. And I've seen that in your in your work, and it's something that that I appreciate. That being said, I also feel like I am also an ally 
within my own community because when, when I started, again, we're talking, you know, it was a, a different time, as you know, where everything has changed, you know, just in the last couple of years in terms of people's awareness and of issues. And I'm speaking specifically about Me Too and, and stuff around gender and uh, misogyny and what have you. And, you know, within the queer community, there's also been a shift away from, like I said, when I started, it was about, you know, just taking up space in a, in a certain way without realizing that it wasn't uh, intersectional. We didn't. I didn't even have access to that word or understand it. But as as I know now, within my community, just in, in the last couple of years, there's a lot more work that needs to be done. When I started, we didn't have gay cops. We didn't even get to take up the whole street. You know, it was we're here, we're queer, we're staying on this side we're of the road, we're, we're just here, in this yeah. lane. Yeah. It was protest, and then. And, and a rally and a, and a call to action. And I think, you know, at that time, the goal was tolerance, which, right. you know, is a very low bar just to be tolerated, <laughs> right? Because I tolerate pimples on my ass, right? Like, yeah. that's, that is, it, it feels incredible to me that, that I was willing to, to Sorry, go for I gotta, that. I got to get past that vision yes. for a second. It's a bit of chafing is but what yeah. it is. Yeah, it can happen. And, uh, you know, so tolerate, like, let's tolerate gay people the way we tolerate uh, chafing and that was at the time it was it felt like a radical thing to do all of which is to say pride for me started uh, very politically i think that's always been an undercurrent in some years we have been complacent enough those of us who are the dominant culture in queerness and i am speaking of the privilege and the entitlement and the whiteness and the not having to think about our discomfort or those people on the margins within our community who were not showing up at pride or right. who there wasn't room for the uh, the two-spirited the trans uh, in, uh people of color you know there was a time where I had the luxury of not having to think about what pride was like for those parts of our community. And that has shifted as everything has, as, you know, if you want to be responsible, if you want to be an ally, you have to understand the people who aren't there and that the fight needs to continue to make sure that pride is inclusive, inclusive. To, to everybody in that sense. I mean, now there are queer cops and that is divisive within the community because right. we don't want them marching in the parade. I'm very much, you know, as old school as I am, I never felt safe around cops when sure. the pride started. And I certainly feel you know, as I stand with the people in the Black Lives Matter movement, that I don't want them in the parade until everyone feels safe. And, right. and you know, and then you have the gay cops saying, well, but it took us but so long to... Yeah. yeah, we're part of your world right. and we're part of their world. Right. So. And I understand their position. I want them to march in the parade without their uniforms, just a couple hours where they just, you know, right. can't be visible in that sense. I think pride has always been political, but it's just different waves of of how that manifests. And right now, I feel very committed to coming out in a way that I haven't for pride, where, as I said, I've had the luxury of not having to show up. But this year, especially with the serial killer in the, in Toronto, in the neighborhood yeah. of Toronto, and the community had been crying out, and it was, you know, men of color, again, racialized men, who were disappearing, and no action was taken. And so it's just a reminder of how Despite the month-long celebration that we get to have and everyone can be gay during Pride Month, that for uh, actual queer people and for those that meet in the different intersections, you know, our safety is always precarious. And this is a reminder for that. And so I believe the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Too long, didn't listen. There was yes. No, there was levels to that answer that needed to be discussed. So I appreciate you doing it. Let me ask you this. Should non-gay people attend 
the Pride Parade or and or Pride events, or is that sh- something that should be left for the gay community? I think that um, all people are welcome. I think one of the benefits of having uh, straight people, and that's in, in quotes there, you know, showing up to events is that you then get to see that we're the same as everyone. I think so in that sense, just to show up is to be willing to be open. And I think that that's a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. The reason that, you know, if they feel like they're unwelcome or they stay away, it's easy then to make gay people the target of their hatred. It's harder when you actually interact with That's a good point. Right. The, whoever is being othered, it's hard to um, interact in a closed-minded or a hateful way if you've actually interacted with them. On the other hand, I think that it's something to keep in mind as you do um, enter a community that you don't belong to, that your job as an ally is to ask, you know, how can you be involved on your terms, like on the terms of the people whose place you're entering, right? right? You know, ha- walk around, be a, be a part of the community. But then if you want to be involved in something, show up and be prepared to listen because it's the, a space for someone else. And again, I'm it's a reminder for my own self because I... You know, I will participate even within events in our community where my job is just to ask how I can be on hand to help or to educate myself more. When you're sitting at a certain place of power, that that's your time to shut up and, and listen. Should the Premier of Ontario attend? No, don't. No, no, don't come. Don't want you to come. Don't okay. want him there. Don't All need right. him there. Don't need any of the any of the Fords. All right. I was, I was going to make it more about should the position, no matter who occupies it, attend. if it's someone we like. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's not be hypothetical about this. 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 this and it's one not. Should. And I, I'm being. I'm. That's you know very much tongue in cheek. But it's got to be somebody who isn't actively you know undermining or uh, setting back or in putting in place policies that will uh, be divisive or you know, are a, a dog whistle. Those people are not welcome because I don't think that learning is going to happen and that that's more about some symbolic gesture is not, it doesn't mean anything. What's the charity that we can donate oh, to today? Um, well, I would love to send some love always needed for TRCC, the Toronto Rape Crisis Center, um, Multicultural Women Against Rape. TRCC MWAR is Absolutely. the organization. Thank you very much for yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and now let's have some fun with letters. Fun with letters. Yeah. You have to fit yourself into a VSP acronym, Alvira oh, Kurt. Okay. Uh-huh. Alvira Kurt has uh, a VSP. Sure. Vacuums so passionately. Vacuums so passionately yeah. is a very specific visual. I really yeah. enjoy that. Alvira, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you for being <laughs> an outstanding ambassador not just of pride but of comedy in canada my pleasure and there you have it school is out and so are we that's episode eight in the bank we hope you enjoyed our first and hopefully not last season of the vsp podcast 
I'd like to thank our guest, Elvira Kurt, for being here, as well as contributors Diana Francis, John Steinberg, Jennifer Hooligan McAuliffe, and Jeremy Woodcock for contributing greatly again and again. And, of course, the producer with the most, Alex Ross, for producing this whole series and making a striking cameo as himself in my letter this week. Follow us at VSP Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and check us out on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. And please be sure to check out our Patreon all summer long at Patreon.com slash VSP Pod, where you can enjoy the long listens of the past eight interviews and extra special segments like me singing my new version of the Canadian National Anthem on a past episode of The Debaters, which we're actually going to play for you right now. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon, everybody. I'm Steve Patterson. Anyway, we got bigger fish to fry uh, nationally here in Canada. We have, a, we have it pretty good overall. We obviously have some issues, but there's a debate that's risen in Canada. I can't believe it's a debate, but it's happening with our national anthem. There's a debate going on because we want to change one word to our anthem. We want to change from in all thy sons command to in all of us command. And this has been, yeah, I think it's an okay change. Well, the whole reason we're talking about this is because the Canadian Senate, it was in front of them for a while, and they actually made, made a decision. <laughs> which I never saw coming. <laughs> the Canadian Senate, to me, are essentially like men's nipples. <laughs> They're there, but nobody really knows why, you know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing productive's coming out of there. But by gosh, they did it. So we're supposed to change the anthem. That's supposed to be our official version now. Instead of in all thy sons, it's supposed to be in all of us command. And I am fine with that change for gender parity. I have a three-year-old daughter. We're going to be singing the anthem a lot as she grows. And I don't want it to get to that part in the anthem. And she looks up at me and she goes, but daddy. (laughs) Daddy, why? I don't know why, that is not a good impression of my daughter. (laughs) Sorry about that, Scarlett. My daughter is not a small British man, that was dumb. (laughs) I'm fine with that change, but there are some Canadians, there are probably some in this room that are against it. And the reason they're against it is because once you fiddle with our anthem a bit, and no, I'm not suggesting using fiddle, Once you fiddle with our anthem a bit, then you gotta look at the whole thing. There are other potentially divisive parts in our anthem, right? And we gotta look at it. If we're gonna be inclusive, as Canada is, we gotta look at the whole thing. We gotta make some hard choices, right? Like like right out of the gate, with glowing hearts. (laughs) Hold on now. That is offensive to anyone who lives near a nuclear facility. That should be with sufficiently lit hearts. Just to be on the safe side. The true north. The true north. Wait a minute. We are not all true north. What about the east, south, and west? We like to try to have a monopoly on the north. Our own Toronto Raptors, their slogan is, We the North. They are the third northernmost team in the NBA. That slogan offends me geographically and grammatically. (laughs) That should be the true north depending on where you're standing. And this is the most potentially divisive part, and I'm serious about this. God keep our land. 
God keep our land. Now there are Canadians who don't believe in God. It's not part of their religion, and that's okay. But that's the problem in this country. God keep our land. That's the problem in this country. Foreign ownership. <laughs> it's driving up prices. That should be God, other gods, and wealthy non-Canadians stop driving up the prices in our land. It's a little wordy, but I think it's necessary. Also, there's not a single apology in our anthem. How is that possible? How is that possible? Right? When is the last time you talked to a Canadian for two minutes and they didn't apologize about something? You got to apologize, it's got to be early, and it's got to be sincere. And we got to make sure that we are inclusive at every opportunity in our anthem. And this last one I'm serious about too, and maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. We lost one of the greatest Canadians to ever live late last year, Mr. Gord Downey. And Gord Downey did everything he could his entire life to bring Canada together through his music and later in life in his last stages to bring indigenous issues to the forefront. If anyone deserves a shout out right in our national anthem, it's Gordy. So this is what I've done. And if you're offended by a slight change to the anthem, you're really not gonna like this. I've changed pretty much the entire thing to better reflect what Canada is to me and I'm gonna sing it for you now, all right, Toronto? You won't be able to sing along just yet, but the last phrase is repeated, so please do repeat it with me, then we'll start. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, Canada, our home and native land, with actual apologies to actual natives. True patriot, non-patriotic, heterosexual, same-sex, and LGBTQ2 love. In all of us command, with sufficiently lit hearts, we see the rise. Unless you'd prefer to stay down. The true north, depending on where you're standing and free. From far and wide, oh Canada will keep an eye on things, but frankly standing on guard is a bit excessive for me. God, other gods and wealthy non-Canadians stop driving up the prices in our land. Cause it's still glorious, but now it's pretty darn far from free. Oh Canada, we love you, Gordy. Oh Canada, we love you, Gordy. Yeah, now we're ready to start. Let's go. VSP is a Funny Patty Inc. and Never Sleeps Network production. Produced by me, Alex Ross, and associate producer, Jennifer McAuliffe. Written by Steve Patterson, with Diana Francis, John Steinberg, and Jennifer McAuliffe. Edited by Joseph Iani. For more information about VSP and other great Canadian podcasts, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. And please follow our socials at VSPPod and at NeverSleepsNet. Have a great summer. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.